Hello, and thank you for downloading our podcast, Discussing Documentaries, with myself, Matt Wills, and Rick Wharton. Today's offering is The Imposter from the year 2012. I got it on Apple for 99 pence. Thank you, Apple. It's directed by Bart Layton. You don't see many Barts, do you? And it's presented by A&E Indie Films, Film 4 and Channel 4. So it has a little bit of authenticity, I would say, around it. A&E Indie Films, they are a quite a big player in the documentary space. So they also made, to name a few, they made the brilliant Studio 54, which is coming up on discussing documentaries, and the not-so-brilliant A Grey State. This one is about 13-year-old Nicholas Barkley, who disappeared from San Antonio, Texas. So we know straight away that it was chosen by Mr. Rick Wharton. Rick Lee. I don't think this was my choice. I thought this was your choice. <gasps> no, 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 this was that's... this was a fan's choice. A fan's choice. Come on, a mate recommended. Yeah, it. she's we, a fan. We are not. We're not going to bullshit any of our. <laughs> no, she's listeners. a genuine fan. <laughs> she really is. She's she's one of my biggest fans. So yeah, oh. this was recommended by my mate Amanda. So Rick, did you watch it? When did you watch it? I I literally finished watching it about twenty minutes ago. Right. Okay. So it's uh, super but... fresh for you. Yeah, yeah, but I've seen it in the past. I I came across this one when I was really getting into all me true crime. Yep. Are you wrestling? Am I wrestling? Wrestling. Uh, yeah, sorry. Are I you was, moving something? Yeah, I was me? turning my microphone yeah. up. All right. Knock that shit off. <laughs> <laughs> could you hear that? <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, wow. I could, yeah. Okay. Uh, I thought it was me. I just want to make sure it wasn't yeah, the yeah, chair because I'm comfortable. Fair. Right. I first found this one when I was, uh, I really got into all my true crime mm. documentaries after seeing like a few of like West of Memphis, uh, probably Making a Murderer might have been in around that time. Right, okay. And uh, this one got recommended and the story and the blurb seemed fascinating to it, which is the story. Kid goes missing in San Antonio. Uh, three years later, they get a phone call from Spain saying he's been found. Mm. And then they pick you up the story. From there, I, I think it's an excellent story, but there is a little bit lacking. It's more ir- irritating in parts than what could have been pieced together, if that makes sense. I, f- I found the guy who played because uh, they do they do reenactments throughout, and then they interview effectively. They interview the the main protagonist, right, the imposter. They interview oh, him we, throughout, yeah. and he could, if he wanted to. I'm not good at my lookalikes, but how's this? If they made a film of Yuri Geller's life, they could get that guy. I had that written down. Oh, really? Like, if, if if Yuri oh, Geller man. didn't learn how to fucking bend spoons, that is what this would have been doing. Yeah, he looked the spit so, of Yuri Geller, the guy who played the guy who was the imposter. Yeah, so much like a young Yuri Geller, it's unbelievable. Yeah. The it's one of those ones where again the title really gives away a bit too much about about the documentary before you watch it because this could have been built up as they found their child. Oh my god, look at this! Do you know what yeah. I mean? I think there is a way it could have been directed to be more entertaining, which is sounds bad when it's talked about a family who's lost a yeah. child. 
Um, so it starts off, and it's very got a very much a, a soaked in bleach feel with the reenactments. It's yes, the, the telephone yeah. booth. Yeah, good spot. Yeah, yeah. Rain pouring down, and then you hear that it's a voice of uh, American tourists saying they found a kid. He says he's uh, American and lost, and then they get him involved in the social services in Spain. Yeah. I found the whole story unbelievable. And it wasn't until about three quarters of the way through, I was like, oh, this, oh, it's real. Okay. I, I just, I didn't believe it at all. For three quarters of the, oh, you- I wasn't connected to it in any way, shape or form. But then there was like a plot twist about three quarters of the way through. And suddenly, oh my God, this is real. At that point, it has, it has real potential to be one of the best documentaries you've seen if the story yeah. unfolded the way you'd hoped. Yeah, yeah. But but if we if we're going through it, so so Nicholas Barkley, um, he went missing the age thirteen. He was kind of uh, not a runaway kid, but he, he seemed like he he, he, he did actually have... he ran away once, but he came back the next day. But who? What thirteen year old hasn't done that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, it was the tattoos that threw me that I thought was funny. <laughs> the tattoos but... on the thirteen year old kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll, we'll get to that. So. He goes missing, and it's really heartbreaking as well because he. The story goes: he rang home. He went to play basketball for uh, friends. He rang home, asked his brother to wake his mum up to give him a lift home. He said he's not going to wake the mother mm. up. The kid's never seen again, yeah. and that weighing on the on the life, being in that person, it would stick with you for the rest of your days. Yeah. You blame yourself. Absolutely. Well, the mum in it, I, I think the mum was the actual mum, right? She wasn't an. She yeah. wasn't an actress. Yeah. And she, no actress has that voice. Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> reminded me of, uh, if you've ever seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, she reminded me of Max Mum. Oh, I know who you mean. Yeah, that's not a bad one. Yeah, that. she smokes like 90 fags a day. <clears throat> Mar- Marge Simpson's mother, if you've yes. ever heard her talk. <laughs> Mrs. Du- Very... Mrs. Dubois. Oh, Bouvier. 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 Oh, well done. Thank you. So, the and the mum says, and this is... This was quite heartbreaking. No one cared about our child going missing, apart from us. And you're like, oh man, because it seems like a lot of people go missing in America and uh, yeah, and Britain, I would guess. I think it's due to the area. I I, I think since it's such a low income area, mm. uh, it just gets swept under. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he didn't get put on the back of a milk carton, did he? But very quickly, and uh, just as we're wrapping up the last of our lookalikes. The brother-in-law who talks now, I don't remember his name, but he's got the long hair and he looks exactly like one of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. His name was Brian Gibson. And he sits way too close to the camera when he's talking. Way too close. Like, yeah. But uh, so, and then very quickly, we have the guy who is known as the imposter talking, who, who, as you said, looks like Yuri Geller. Very strong Spanish accent. Really? Well... Yeah, really, just a strong accent, right? Really, really strong. But we'll try and walk through it. So if you haven't seen the documentary, this is the one I would say is worth checking out. There's been one or two that maybe is not so much. Because you, you meet all the characters in the first, I say characters, you meet all the people who the documentary affects uh, in the first few minutes. So you meet Kerry Gibson, who is Nicholas's, the, the missing kid's sister. Brian Gibson, I'm guessing, is her fella. You meet his his mum, Beverly Dollarhide, and the kid who went missing, his name is Nicholas Barkley. All right, so, and then we go to the imposter talking, and he's saying how um, he basically conned the police 
into thinking he was a runaway child, yeah. like he was acting as if he had been abused and he was scared to be touched. Yeah. And he was too scared to say anything. Kept his hat over his eyes, yeah. his scarf. He, he went around looking like, uh, I, I don't even know what the show would be called, but like back in the old school, black and white, the Invisible Man. Yes. Where it was just a pair of sunglasses on a scarf with a hat yeah. <laughs> to, to, to show him. And um, he told them in the social in the social services office that he'd ran away. Mm. So they just let him stay in the office. Yep. While they're waiting to transfer him. So when no, because he said his whole re all he wanted to do was be put in a children's home. That was his whole. Mm. That was all he wanted. But they wouldn't release him from that office until they found out who he was. And the bit he says right is they didn't know I was a twenty three year old. How did they not know? These are officers of the law. Are they all Chief Wiggum from The Simpsons? Uh, it, it, it's it's crackers. It's crackers. It, yeah. he, he's got he's got a full on five o'clock shadow every day. Yeah. Like he's got adult jaw. So what happens is when he's locked in this office overnight, he then starts to go through and call American um missing persons lines or police stations. Yeah. And hoping that there's a missing child with his um, that looks like yeah. him. Yeah, and they they suggest that he phones the USA's missing kids helpline, which is a thing. So he phones them up, says he's a Spanish policeman, gives the description of himself, and then they go, "Oh yeah, you might mean Nicholas Barkley." Again, he must have been speaking to Chief Wiggum's sister on the phone there, because he's got black hair. You know, he's. He's half Arab, half Spanish is his, his his heritage. And Nicholas Barkley is a blonde, blue-eyed, Aryan race-looking kid, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. the fact that he went for that. And also, Nicholas Barkley was 13 years old when he went missing. This geezer is 10 years older than that. And he's going to pass the- himself off as, because this is three and a half years later, so he's going to pass himself off as a 16-year-old. And he's 23. Just the balls on the guy. Or as they'd say in Spain, the cojones it's on the guy, right? crazy. And it's one of those things that destroyed a family for the second time. Yeah. Because someone dotted a dot that shouldn't have been dotted. And yeah. then put this guy in the path of this family. Yeah. And then he phoned the family because he got all of the information sent to him. And he phoned the family and said, oh, we found your kid. It was just... The whole thing was, I'm just watching it going, this isn't true. This cannot be true. How did they let this happen? It's very difficult to get comfortable within the documentary as well, because whenever he says something that you're almost trying to process, so like, you're right. So he's got the name of Nicholas Barkley. Now the social services are getting in contact with America and people in America are getting in touch with the family to say they have found yeah. a missing kid after three and a half years. But in between that, it always keeps cutting to this crooked smirking and smiling. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. He just he just seems fucking evil. He does. And he's a manipulator and of people. So he, he said he was chloroformed, taken by military high ranking military officials and held within a pedophile ring. And he seems smiling going, I washed their brains. I washed their brains. So he's brainwashed. Yeah. And then um, the FBI headquarters, the U.S. Embassy, they get in there. And uh, so this is, again, everything happens on kind of chance. So the sister goes over to pick him up. The sister said, I'd never left the country before. I didn't know what it involved. You're like, oh, okay, fair enough. And then she says, when I was told Spain, I was like, wow, isn't that across the country? 
No, no love. That, no. That's across an ocean. That That's on another continent. They, they weren't the smartest people going. I'm not going to shit on them. They've already had a bad time. And it's not like I'm clever. But you know Spain it's isn't right. in America. We're already, <laughs> we're, we're already worried about Johnny Depp getting in touch about episode three. Okay, We do not want the Barkley family coming. I, I, as I, I'd be quite interested to see if we could dress you up and so that you're Nicholas and then just send yeah, you in the house. Yeah, we week. go. So we get the imposter too, and she she so, gets to Spain, her. and by that time he's he's got a, he's worked out the description of Barkley, so he dyes his oh, hair. Yeah, there's a moment where he gets because the, the they fax a description of Nicholas and he goes, yes, that is the child. And unfortunately, it's in black and white, so he doesn't realize Nicholas has blonde hair. He has blue eyes. He has, yeah. For some reason, fucking tattoos on his hand. For a 13-year-old so kid, yeah. Yeah, so he has to go and quickly get the tattoos. He dyes his hair. The people in the source... This is in a kid's... Uh, this is in a children's shelter. Home. Yeah. yeah. Where did they get uh, no a tattoo going, gun? We found your family. Shit, I need to go and get a tattoo and bleach <laughs> me hair. I'll be right back. Did no one? He find- just gets in a car and drives <laughs> at the age of 13, drives down the road. But it's the fact no... No one said it didn't seem unbelievable. They all went, well, okay. And when the sister arrives and she says, yeah, that's him. Really? It's only been three years since you haven't seen your brother who was around for 13 years. I, I, I don't get I mean, how they were fooled. Because from their point of view, they want it to be real, don't they? I think it's that. Yeah. I think it's exactly, exactly that. I think that the opportunity... For it to be real and for to have it back, and we're talking to a man who's currently signing Change.org petitions to hope a fucking Saudi takeover comes back <laughs> on. So I, I, I'm all for uh, false wishing and false hope at the moment. But um, so she gets there and he's acting nervy and he is very adept at acting as if he's been abused yeah. as, as an abused child. Yeah, yeah. He is uh, an absolute master con man at that by no stretch of the imagination. And we found out to what extent later on. Yes, of that because the the sister believes that he is her missing brother, Nicholas Barkley, but actually, then the police and the judge are saying, "No, he's not. We want to test him." And for some weird reason, she went over there with some photographs. And the first second, well, no, because I, I see what you're going with that. But uh, in my opinion, she goes right. They've said they found him. Great, let's go and get him. He's been kidnapped. They never found a body. The whole family's ruined from it, and this is this is amazing, and that all that pent up emotion, anxiety, and they bring over. She brings over photographs to show him, so he can kind of because in their minds, if he's been abused beyond belief and his brain's got to be messed up, so they wanted photos. She brought photos to be like, "You're coming home. Look at these people. Do you know what I mean?" Really, because obviously my opinion on that completely changed because I've now I've seen the whole documentary. Mm-hmm. Because, no, I don't think that's why she took those photographs over. Again, like the Jack the Ripper tour, I now have a theory of what happened. I'm looking forward to that. We'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait for for that to, to come on up then. But it was how she, how she didn't think that he was her brother. Because the imposter's actual heritage was he's half Spanish and half Algerian. right? And he says, look, I, my grandfather was a racist. He didn't want him. And he felt all his life... He wanted the opportunity to get a different identity. And he's telling oh, you this man. at the very beginning because we know he's the imposter. 
Because they tell you what he's done, and then they go into his backstory, and his backstory is that his granddad wanted him to be aborted because he was racist. Yeah. Uh, and there's some stuff you got to get over. Do you know what I mean? You weren't even born at that time. If I, yeah. I'd need to hear something else to even come close to empathise. Um, but he had one thing. How many parents out there haven't gone when they found out that they're pregnant? Ah, shit. I mean, everybody, everybody's first reaction has got to be, oh, no, really? Not now. It's very rare that people go, oh, brilliant, I'm pregnant. I think this is the wrong podcast for that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Given out of our six listeners, two of those are our partners. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm not going on the record saying jack fucking shit on that subject. <laughs> so, but he had one thing that kind of went in his favor, and that's the gap between his teeth. Yeah. So she saw him from a window. She saw dyed blonde hair and a gap between his teeth, and she's like, "Oh my god, that's him!" And in my opinion, that's what the case was with the sister. I didn't think she was in any sort of fucking... because he was a manipulator of people, right? And then the, the hmm. judge and the police tested him. And because she'd already shown him the pictures, yeah, he got them all bar one right. And they went, well, if I... the sister's saying it's him, he got all our questions right. It's got to be him. And he said, like, look, I was conflicted. I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I wanted out of the life I had and I wanted a new life. And this was it. So I went for it. And he did go for it. He got the tattoos, dyed his hair. But I was so bored. I, I didn't connect to him at all. I didn't care that he was an imposter. I didn't connect to the family. I was sorry that they'd... And I didn't even believe that they'd lost the... I was like, oh, really? Have you lost a child? I, I, I just found it all hard to believe. And I just did not care. And it was at that point I thought, I've watched too many miserable documentaries. <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I need a happier documentary to watch. Uh, give me one of these over chicken people any day, buddy. So I don't think the sister knew this was going to be the test. There's one thing I'll say. Okay. So, so you're on the side of the sister, whereas I'm like, oh, come on, man. No way. To an extent, I can just imagine. She's been saying, and again, the whole family should have went over, not just one person. Well, no, she knew, have... she knew her mum wouldn't be able to handle that flight. You can't go that long without a cigarette, Rick. Without a cigarette. That's exactly what I was about to say. That's why my mother's not been to America. I know exactly the reason. Yeah, she's like Krusty the Clown, you know, when he's like putting nicotine patches on his arse throughout the show. But yeah, I knew exactly that's the reason why the mother... It didn't even come across my mind that it wasn't anything to do with she couldn't have a fag. So yeah, so they they show him five pitches. He gets four of them right because he'd luckily just seen them with the sister. And then, so he gets documented as a as a U.S. citizen. He gets the actual passport of Nicholas Barkler. And they show you the actual passport. The picture's mental, isn't it? Yeah. But, well, actually, you've seen video of Nicholas Barkley as a child. And then you look at this picture. How did you, how did you think that was your child? But the mum said, uh, we had no idea who we were getting because he'd changed so much through those, because he'd been through horrendous stuff. Mm-hmm. He'd changed so much over those three and a half years. We were just grateful to have him home. And his story kind of, again, it's, it's so convoluted, but sets him up for a chance of getting away with this. Like, yeah. they broke my hands. They broke my yeah. feet. So if I'm left-footed, right-footed, right-hand, left-handed, that could be different now. They stuck things in my eyes. That's why I'm no longer got blue eyes. That was a big thing for me. The blue eyes. Yeah. Is... The FBI woman, Nancy Fisher, 
she wanted to interview him because her job was to try and track down the abductors so that these pricks didn't do it again. And she said straight away, this is not Nicholas Barkley. <laughs> so you're like, oh, oh okay. Well, well, finally, we've got someone who maybe with a bit of bit of weight and power, but the rest of the family were actually, no, he is Nicholas Barkley. Can you please leave us alone? Except for one. There was the brother Jason, right? And he comes into it a bit more. Yeah. The brother Jason comes in. So the whole family go and meet them when they get back yes, to the house. Yes, that's right. Yeah, bro- yeah, yeah. And then the older brother comes to him and he goes, and this one person did not talk to me like I was Nicholas. You can't even say it. Nicholas is fucking name yeah. in American. It's Nicholas. So this person, this Jason, he knew I was not Nicholas. He did not talk to me as if I was Nicholas. He just looked at me. He said, good luck. And then he left. Yeah. And I was thought, fuck, that's I, I want to hear that guy's side of the story. Let's hear more about Jason, which we do in a bit. But the family are all saying how he's just traumatized. That's why he can't remember anything. And the first time you're talking to the, when he sits down with the FBI and tells them their story, they open a huge case into the military. Yeah. And, yeah. and to be honest, from the FBI investigator, the lady, I was getting a mother from abducted in plain side vibe of why would someone say it if it wasn't true, you know? Yeah, what <laughs> like, she says, um, a normal person doesn't go into detail about torture. So he'd clearly, he must have been, in one of his lives, he, he must have been tortured, you know, in a previous, you know, when he was younger as a, as a kid himself. So um, I think I could do it after the documentary watched. I think I could pull it off. What you could you could convince people you'd been abducted and no not not to that extent I've got me awful shotgun laugh at you (laughs) beginning middle and end of everything I say that that would be a huge giveaway, Um, but I I like again would you convince a Spanish family? (laughs) (laughs) Papa, it's me. (laughs) Very quickly, I knew I wasn't one of the family, so I had to think fast. I got a sombrero, a pair of maracas. I got me donkey, and they're like, they don't know that I'm not their son. All right, they don't know. I'll just eat paella every day and hope for the best. I just need to get away with. It. I need to. I need to live in a sunny country. And then they involve. Who got the private investigator involved? A TV show that wanted That's to right. interview them yeah, yeah, yeah. because. He only got involved because they couldn't find the family to interview. Yes. So they get this, uh, what's what's the dude's name? He's there? got the greatest name going. I'm a big fan of, of people's names. His name is Charlie Parker. Charlie Parker, that's the one. It's always got kind of um, rhythm and blues playing when he comes yep. on, like soggy bottom boys, like where he was born. Yeah, yeah. Where he was raised. And then you see him there. He's got the slick back hair, the suspenders, very L.A. Noir. He's came yep. out there. And he takes one look at the kid and goes, there's a photograph of the kid behind him. He's got fucking brown eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the emperor's new clothes. It's like, no, he yeah. he's naked. What are you talking about? It is the desperation for it to be true, 100% for me, with like certain people in the family. Yeah. Well, the FBI said, whatever you do, don't contact the media. Whereas Nicholas wanted, well, the new Nicholas, let's call him that, he wanted as much media contact as possible because he believed it made it more real that he was, yeah. you know, Nicholas. And, and then um, I, this is how uh, I, I had no idea about this whatsoever, but the 
private investigator. Now, bearing in mind, Interpol, Spanish social services, Spanish police, US embassy, FBI, missing children's line. It's this dude with slick back hair who turns around and says, like, listen, uh, we've got two photos. We've got a photograph of him, photograph of the kid. The way way they caught the Martin Luther King assassination guy is at Heathrow Airport because they matched the ears. And the ears are like a fingerprint. Yeah, James L. Ray, because your ears are as unique to you as your, your fingerprint. I had no idea that that I had no idea that the guy who assassinated Martin Luther King was even found. That's how bad my um, right, yeah. education was. I had n- no idea on that. He was locked up in uh, a prison in Tennessee. And then, oh, this is I, I wanted to see more footage of this. But it was a, it was at they, that point when he mentioned James L. Ray. The second he stopped on the name Ray, I pressed pause, and I went, "This whole documentary is made up," because James L. Ray is the guy who assassinated Martin Luther King. And then I jumped on the internet. I started reading about James L. Ray, which is where I found out he was in a prison in Tennessee. And I was just read, read all about James L. Ray. And I went, oh, that's fascinating. And then I was just texting you going, this is bullshit. We've got to pick another documentary. This one is clearly a hoax. You've had the wall pulled over your eyes. Because I genu- I thought you recommended it. I forgot about Amanda. I then pressed play and the bloke went, yeah, James L. Ray. The bloke who assassinated Martin Luther King. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I had to scrub the text I'd written calling you a dickhead. <laughs> um, I I do that a lot. <laughs> I'll be like, why are we doing... They're not even telling us, oh, it's, it's the next scene. I've got yeah. a rule when I watch TV of our last, where if she asks a question, I, I wait 30 seconds to answer because the way TV's made is it'll enigmatically make you think of a question. Yeah. But within 30 seconds, it will answer yeah, that absolutely. question. But I haven't learned that because I'm so busy taking notes and pressing pause. The minute he said, I was like, I knew this was bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on this whole documentary. Because they start to talk about him like starting to build his life together there uh, in Texas and how he met a girl that he liked yeah. and got bashful about. It's like, what, was she 15? He's 24? Yeah, like, I bet he met a girl he liked. Yeah. And, the, and then... Fucking! Then you see him going off to high school, like Twenty One Jump Street. He's getting on the the big yellow bus as a twenty four year old. Yeah, I liked what um I liked what Charlie Parker said about Interpol. We grew up in America, you know. We f- thinking Interpol is the god of the cops. <laughs> is is that how you're thinking, Charlie? Now bear in mind at this stage, Charlie is the only person who's calling bullshit on the whole story. The FBI lady just wants to capture the, the abductors and is trying to trying to in, um, interrogate the family who don't want anything to do with her. Because if she calls bullshit, the FBI lady, the family probably have to admit that it's bullshit. And she says to the sister, we found, don't, don't go meet your new brother because we found out he's not your new brother. And the sister went, oh. yeah, sure. And then she does. I'll, I'll tell you what happens quickly just first, because that is super weird within the family. That was That's when they started to act odd. But quickly, they, they send them down to Houston yes. uh, to meet. Uh, uh, and the guy instantly went, D wasn't born in this country. He cannot speak without this accent. Mm. And that means that you were raised in a country where those pathways are made in your brains. And yeah. Uh, and the eye color, and when he's talking about these things, he doesn't have the same physiological reactions to talking about trauma as people's yeah. aren't dilating his breath the way he's doing it. And he's just like, I don't know who this person is, but he's not who he's saying he yeah. is. 
and finally you've got someone who's I, I think to to be ex, to be believed you have to have the 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 letters IST on the end of your job description so you know whether you're a zoologist or a, a pathologist if as long as you've got IST on the end he's got because FBI they've only got the I they haven't got the S and the T so when they're mm-hmm. calling nonsense on it everyone's like no look that is that is the kid but yeah so well, they're analysts they're a psychologist went yeah that's that's not him so they liaise with the FBI the FBI then turns around like you said to the sister and says this is not your brother yeah. definitely she shrieks on the phone freaks out yeah and then says, don't go meet him at the airport. We'll take him and we'll figure this out. And then they get there and she's at the airport waiting for yeah, him. Yeah, which was weird. Which is, again, where where I started to get abducted and playing side vibe from the FBI lady because it's like, you're the FBI, still take him. Yeah. Just because just cause this person's wrong doesn't mean, and she's just like, well, what am I supposed to do? You're the fucking FBI. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> They make it seem like a love actually scene and she's just going away on the escalator not knowing what to do, just backing away from the scenario. And all the time, this, you know, the imposter said, look, I was a kid again. I could succeed this time. And he was having a reasonable life, although he was worried about getting found out, but that kind of came with the territory. So, you know, it was for him, things were sort of moving along. But this Charlie Parker... He was like a dog with a bone, and he was not yeah, letting it go. He was—he sniffs a book deal, does Charlie Parker. He's library cop from Seinfeld. That's who this guy is. He's um, so he's now interviewing neighbors, trying to find out stuff, and then we start to find out a little bit about Nicholas Barkley and how the brother Jason, the one who said good luck to the imposter, had um, moved back in with the family around the time that uh, Nicholas yeah. went missing. And he was a waster, druggy, and yeah. even got the mother on drugs. And the house became very fractious once they were living there. Uh, the police were called a few occasions on the family. And yeah. also the brother had made a statement to the police saying how Nicholas had tried to break into the house Yeah, three months after he went missing, yeah. which is a, a telltale sign of he wants people... So what what what's kind of leading you down the path of? Because we don't know. But what the what the documentary is kind of leading you down the path of is, oh, so this guy Jason killed his fucking brother, and then this guy from Spain has turned up saying he's the brother. Mm. <laughs> so, so it's just a mental situation. Then the P, the PI is interviewing neighbors. The FBI want DNA from the mother that'll prove it conclusively. She flat refuses, drops to the floor, yeah. and says, "You can't make me," which I can understand the denial. Of a mother yeah. thinking she's finally got okay. the child yeah. back. I, I, I'm not putting her in the hole. She murdered him just yet on that one. Um, F- FBI thinks the family is just not acting the way they would be acting in the scenario, whatever the protocol is for such a fucking strange story. Well, then, because the FBI woman, Nancy Fisher, said, you know, at that point when the mum was refusing a DNA test, I did a complete 180. Well, that was the point, was it, Nancy? <laughs> that that was the point that changed your mind around the whole thing. Yeah, for me, it would have been when he had to leave for a siesta during his first interview. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, where's Nicholas Barclay? He's pushing a donkey out of a fucking bell tower in a festival. That's what. But I thought this would because again, it's it's kind of ramping up, and this is like twenty minutes into the story, and you're kind of like this. If this is the twist that he actually gets, he thinks he's screwing over the family, but these guys turn out to be the fucking Mansons. Yeah. It would be so deserved for him, wouldn't it? Like, I'd, I'd be all for that. God, yeah, that they kill the imposter, as you know, that they 
they do something bad to him. But when the FBI, when Nancy Fisher says, you know, this family has got something to hide, that's when it dropped for me. I was like, oh, I'm in because they bought in some drama. They because you'd got to know everyone, and you would. I genuinely thought, oh, listen, everyone on this is an idiot. But the minute they said, actually, the missing kid, it might have been the family who'd done him in, in error, admittedly. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, everyone who has been interviewed so far has effectively been lying to you, apart from the liar, the imposter guy. He's the only one who's been telling the truth. And you're like, oh, oh shit. He's a scumbag. Yeah. I, I just think you could have got to this part of the documentary with a lot more, don't call it the imposter. Yeah. Call it the fucking story of Nicholas Barclay, and then you have to figure out what's happening yeah. instead of having this Yuri Geller prick. Because when they say the family killed Nicholas, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, did he? Because that's what the imposter thinks. And then of all the people who gets the confession, the PI just takes him for hotcakes down at <laughs> Stacey's diner. And he says, the PI buys him a sandwich and says, you made your mother angry. And the imposter said, she's not my mother and you know it. It was it was similar and then, to... Um, and then clacked his maracas when he did it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it reminded me of the East Ender plot line. It was just reversed. You ain't my mother. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous. The PI, he was over the moon. So Charlie Parker, when he gets this, he he was like, I knew it. Yeah, Charlie, we all knew it. Everybody knew it. So and this is where the story gets kind of disjointed also. So we find out he's actually Frederick Bourdain. Great surname. You've got the weirdest things you enjoy about these documentaries. Yeah. Um, That's a great name, Frederick Bourdain. That's superb. That just sounds classy. <laughs> I mean, I know he's not. He seemed it. He seemed <laughs> it. Yeah. And the guy was a professional. I think as your history as a bellboy, he just used to compliment <laughs> the people on whatever the fuck you can. Just find anything. Mr. Smith, that's fucking wonderful <laughs> name, is that? Good, strong British name, Smith. Oh, I like you. <laughs> Click your heels and off you go up the stairs. So so we find out Frederick Bourdain is wanted by Interpol for countless, countless fraudulent IDs. He's been doing this his entire life, basically. In That's Interpol, all countries across the Europe. god of the cops. <laughs> the god of the cops. Oh, I love that line. And apparently, yeah, he's, he's so, done it 20 or 30 times. And then they list, they just start going through it, don't they? Here's one, here's one identity you stole. Here's another, here's another, here's another, here's another, here's another. And then they tell the family and the family are shocked that the half Arab kid isn't uh, their Aryan um, looking child. What are you shocked about? Have you, have you ever watched Blackadder? Very, yeah, a long time ago. A long all right, time so ago. All right, so there's a great scene in season two, I think it's episode one or two, Blackadder, where he becomes uh, the head jailer. And to free up his schedule, he has someone executed on a Monday that was scheduled for the Thursday. Yeah, I've seen that. Episode. And, then, yeah, yeah. and then the wife shows up and then they start going, he has to have a bag on his head. And she's like, you'll be seeing his arms growing back next. <laughs> 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 I just imagine there's little elements of that throughout Frederick Bourdain's life. You've already got one arm. They, even, they put the mum on a lie detector test. Three times. And she ran out the building. No, so they they interview her three times on a polygraph. She passes it twice, and the third time it jumps off the scale. 
I'm going to say it's because she went 45 minutes without a cigarette. Yeah, um, absolutely. And the blood pressure started going. The Shorferman deodorant that she'd put on her fingertips to hide the sweat had worn off. That 24-hour lasting nonsense is, yeah, it's a load of lies. It's got two polygraph tests at best. That's it. <laughs> but she doesn't seem like someone who's going to game the test. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. If it was Frederick Bourdain, I could understand he's got a he's got a, like a thumbtack in his foot that he's doing yeah, whatever yeah. he's the chewing gum trick. But she said the only question she failed on was whether or not uh, she had stolen anything, which it it goes back to the the low income area, of the family, the 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 poverty they kind of living in. Because the idea that the FBI is going to go, what you've stolen the pen from the post office? Well, we don't care about Frederick anymore. Yeah. You're coming with us. Give us back our Argos pens. And then they focus on the brother, who's he's only been mentioned once on that good luck comment. Mm. That's very much like the great escape to me. Good luck. Oh, thank you. Arr! It's them. R- Nick them. Well, this is where it becomes a problem. So Nick, uh, so Frederick Bourdain's arrested. He goes into jail. Yep. And instantly he starts harping on saying, they killed Nicholas. Yeah. They killed Nicholas. They told me they killed Nicholas. And he's an outright pathological liar. He is. So although... I don't think for a second they said that to him. Well, he even, while he's in prison, for some reason, he gets given a telephone, which seems strange. He phones up, and Harry got these people's numbers, I have no idea. He phones up other missing, uh, other parents who have got missing children and says, I've got information about your kid. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Which is a horrible piece of shit. Oh, God, yeah. And then they say, they say to him, we've been monitoring all your phone calls. What are you doing? And he's like, "Yeah, I've got a problem." You're fucking right. You got a problem. And he's so arrogant in between. He is. This whole documentary, you see something, you go, "I can't believe that happening." And you see him smirking and going, "Yes, well, I make anyone think whatever I like to believe them." Yeah. Fuck them. This is my yeah. Because all just... he can think about is himself. He's a he's a classic manipulator of people. That's that's what he does. But then the private investigator Charlie Parker, he goes to Nicholas Barclay's old house. Oh, there's one bit. There's one. There's one thing just just before that because we're we're coming close to the end. Um, so they say that um, they discover Nicholas is arrested. Uh, not Nicholas. Uh, Frederick. Yeah. Frederick Bourdain's arrested. And and then the sister calls the rehab center that their brother Jason is in. He checks out at the rehab center and then goes and dies of an overdose. Yeah. So he never gets to be interviewed, never right. never either clears his name or is caught. And then the PI is adamant that Nicholas is going to be buried in their old house's garden. Yeah. Well, it, it's actually the FBI who spoke to the brother and said, we. Oh, the FBI. Yeah, and said, look, you need to come down. We, we got some questions to ask about your missing brother. And sadly, that night he overdosed. And, Which we've seen enough documentaries, Matt. We've seen yeah. enough documentaries on that one. Well, the private. Where's Tom? Tom Allen when you need him. <laughs> well, Charlie Parker is clearly cut cut from that sort of cloth because he goes to the house that Nicholas Barkley lived in when he went missing, and he says to the owner of the house, "Hey, I need to look in your garden." And the owner of the house goes, do you mean by the bush where when we first moved in, the dog was always snip, sniffing around and pulled <laughs> up a little bit of tarpaulin? And Charlie Parker's like, oh, I've got it. That's where they buried. So they've mistakenly or on purposely, they've, they've killed poor Nicholas Barkley. That's where they've buried the body. Because as he says, that's where I'd bury it. 
Really, Charlie? That. And then he, the corner under the tree. And then he goes there with the owner of the house, and they start digging holes in his garden, looking for a dead oh. body. I, if that was my garden, right, I'd be like, fine, dig, but I'd be seething if they expected me to dig with them. I'd be like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> and it's and it shows you the footage because this is the documentary coming to an end now. And if they'd found it, like a body or some resolution for what happened to the the actual yeah. victim of the show, like again, the family's a victim as well, but the idea that this thirteen year old boy had his life taken or, or kidnapped and whatever happened to him, to find that resolution and someone brought to justice would be. But they start it's little di- directorial tricks they start to use. Like you hear the digging. And he, it pans across to one thing, then it goes to another guy talking about something else, mm. and it goes back to them still digging, like there's, like they're ramping up to we found something, yeah. and they just didn't. They it wasn't there, unfortunately. But the reason you're led down that path of oh my god, they, they the family did kill this this poor child, is the mum said I didn't do it. Do what? What didn't you do? What's the uh... What's the big secret? What did she not? What did she not do? It was just a weird thing for the mum to say, right? So they didn't find a body in the old house. Um, the imposter, he got six years for was it imitate? No, it was six years passport for, for getting a false passport. passport. Strictly speaking, yeah. he didn't get a false passport. He was given a false passport by the American embassy. He went, hey, you're going to need one of these. It's not like he applied for the passport himself and committed fraud. So that seemed a little unfair to me. He got no time at all for pretending to be the kid, right? Which seemed weird. No. Um, no yeah. And he got he got six years. He got deported after the, the six years. And he now lives in France with his wife and three children. And I was genuinely, I was disappointed. At that point, I was like, oh. Well, I guess it was because it all happened back in 94. So... Oh, okay, yeah, I'm reasonably disappointed with this entire documentary. But I do have a theory. The brother who overdosed and the mum, they mistakenly killed the kid. That's my theory. How come you think the mother was in on it? Because of when she said, I didn't do it. See, I think it's possible the brother did, but every nugget of information about the brother, when you think about it, is from the pathological liar. So that story yeah. of good luck is very interesting. Yeah, fair point. I didn't think of that. And and movie esque. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But it it, it comes because it's because he got arrested nineteen more times for doing this shit. Do you know what I mean? He went. He did. Yeah. And he'd already done it thirty times. You're lucky he didn't show up in bloody Ipswich or whatever, wearing a blonde wig, saying he's been found in Portugal as Madeline fucking McCann, like this guy. <laughs> but I I just think. The people, the, the the documentary makers had heard this story, thought they could piece together an amazing documentary. It has elements of it. I think that psychopath should have been kept for a sit down with him. You should have been surprised that he was in on the project. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Him in the first scene going, what I want them to think is, I want them to think I'm a child, that I'm scared of them so I can sleep in their offices. So... Like, if you had it, like, tell it from the story of the family the whole way through. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, fuck, they've got... And then you can have this guy talking the stuff all the way through it. Um, the idea that, that, again, the way they set up like they're going to find the body, I thought was misleading and in a mode of... And it was, it's all right. It's all right. You just can't like this crooked tooth prick because he's just 
that yeah, awful. Yeah, he's a crooked tooth prick. To, to me, the whole documentary, it felt like it felt like a a Tuesday evening football match in November that's incredibly bad, but they get the commentator Jonathan Pierce to commentate on it so that it sounds like it's great when in fact it's not. It's a nil-nil draw and it's a piece of shit. That's how I saw <laughs> the documentary. Very, I even had a... That is very specific. I, I, sent, um, I sent Amanda a text and I was like, this is shit. And then halfway through when it changed or three quarters of the way through when it changed and I was like, I was wrong, I was wrong, I got it all wrong. This is brilliant, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. I've just had a plot twist. This is great. And at the end I went, nope, I was right on my first summary. It's a piece of shit. Um, I don't think it's a piece. Of, it's, it's it's a fascinating story, but it's one of those ones where it's almost as interesting to tell the three interesting bits than to watch it, which is I think where it, it slims on down. So I'm seeing it's like a three point five on the Richter scale for my score oh, wow. of this one. That's high on the Richter scale. I think it, wait, it's it's higher than Chicken People. I'll give it that. It's higher than the Middleness documentary. But, but that's only a half a point short of Wrestling with Shadows, which you loved. I enjoyed it, yeah. I, I stand by my scores. I'm not oh, okay. I'm not to justify right. myself to you. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Yeah, you are a... I, I, I think you're very pretentious in the fact this is the first one that hasn't won eighteen made up awards you've got a list off at the beginning. I didn't even check, but... did I, for the the accolades. Oh, fuck off, this is shit. I don't think it matters, is what I'm honest. It turns out there's a festival for everything where someone can win best newcomer. Well the accolades. Oh god, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's because that's an up, up that's a joke coming isn't it it won the Gateshead Independent <laughs> Film Festival about imposters uh, it's, got yeah. nominated I, f- I think the better documentary would have been call it the imposter and just focus the whole thing on him and then you could have had a half an hour segment of him then playing Nicholas Barkley and then you could have gone into lots of other detail about everything he'd done throughout his life being an imposter oh shit yeah you're right because that would almost be like a bioptic of, of the guy weird criminal yeah. and yeah. what made why was he like that because everything he told you so about his granddad being a racist you're as you just pointed out you're calling into question uh, uh, is that bullshit then mm. that's I, the documentary i, I wanted to see why was he like that I want to see a sit down and discussion with his adult children <laughs> and in terms of what their dad told them as a kid about anything. Yeah. Like they must have been going to school thinking their dad was Santa Claus. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like he's got three, three kids. How does he, <sighs> wouldn't it be horrible if one of he's... them went missing? <laughs> that was just, <laughs> he, he turns up in his kid's t-shirt. <laughs> it's clearly, it's me. It's me. It's little Jimmy. <laughs> Okay. I recognise you, Uncle Peter. <laughs> I know you. Okay, shave the beard. It will, you'll you'll have a go of asking for him again. Then they didn't show things like I wanted them to interview his classmates that he went into. Who's this girl that's talking to a twenty-four-year-old Spanish bloke, thinking it's Nicholas who went missing yeah. playing basketball? Like there is people I would have liked to see an interview, and I think there's something there that could have made this an amazing documentary. It just it had potential. Yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah, they had they they had the reenactment scene with the phone booth, and, and they really built around that. Oh, and you also find out that he was the one who made the fake call from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. it was a nice little touch. A... So it has great plot twist, yeah. but it's too much of a deflation just to go. Oh, he got six years, and now he's out and fine. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how I felt at the end. So, what is your score for this one? Just to uh, sticking with the three point five. Three point five. Okay, I'm going to give this a solid one. 
A one? Yeah. Wow. Not a fan. Yeah, and I'm not going to talk to Amanda for a week. That's the plan. That's the... She doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't get to recommend Listen, any more documentaries. She's is that, on the is list. Is that because? Is that because we do one episode a week, and this is what you consider talking <laughs> to her? <laughs> this is communication. You don't get to hear from me for one week <laughs> until the next episode drops. Okay, so thank you very much for joining us on this week's discussing documentaries. So Rick would say, watch the documentary. I would say, go make a go visit Spain. You'll have a much nicer time. It's a bloody great. <laughs> it's option, a great country. What option is that during a global pandemic? <laughs> it's I, over. I by love the time it when this will come out. I love it when you start a sentence and I know full well you don't know what the end of that sentence is going to be. <laughs> That's every sentence I say. <laughs> yeah, you go. What you should do instead of doing this is make a cup of tea, go down the stairs. Talk to your cat. <laughs> so you haven't been you haven't been sold by this one. You're not going to go and buy an American child's passport now, as you God normally no. buy. Like to buy at least some merchandise. Nothing from whatever documentary we watch. I, I didn't even check out Charlie Parker's Private Investigation Agency, which I normally would, just because of the name. I'll be, oh, was that? Oh, let's see what he's up to. Facebook friend him. I would love to set Charlie Parker just on fa- you. Yeah, I'd love to hire him. Dirt. Just get me a tail of you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get I'll get Tom Grant and you get Charlie Parker and we can see who can end up with the most. They'll, they'll just sit us down. All they've got to do is buy us food. And me or you like, what do you want to know? I'll give you all the dirt. <laughs> not a problem. I got him some scampi. This is not my family. This is not my family. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's, let's wrap this one up. That's just too warm. It is hot. So thank you very much for joining us on discussing, uh, discussing documentaries. Come back next week for... The Barclay Marathons, the race that eats its young. So for me, it's goodbye. Rick? Oh, I'm waving. (laughs) Brilliant.